This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, not much time to chat tonight, so it's straight to the action. And we begin with a scary program that scared the bejeepers out of a lot of listeners in the 40s. Name of the show, Dark Fantasy. And tonight's episode is entitled Rendezvous with Satan. Let us remember him who has passed, not for what he was, not for what he did, but because he was, as all of us are, a temple of God. Let us remember that this which is about to return to common clay was molded from common clay. Today we gather here to pay our last tribute to this now still place. Lying here before us, cold in the coldness of death. Let us always remember. And let us always remember. Did you see him? Move his hand. What are you saying? Move his hand up toward his head. Madam, please. No, surely you're mistaken. I distinctly. Oh, my darling. What's that happened to me? Just lie still, Carl Fisher. This craft is most fragile. Where am I? Where would you be after death? Death? You say death? Yes. Am I dead? They have your body in a church, Carl. Imagine. You. 
In a church. No. No, you're mistaken. This is no church. I I'm right here. Apparently you are, yes. But we are most careful when we bring you here. We take every precaution to uh, relieve the shock. Shock? Of finding yourself in the midst of fire and brimstone. Hot. It's so hot. <laughs> you get used to it. Where am I? Your soul is here with me. Your body is back on earth. At present, resting within a satin-lined coffin. Coffin? Yes. They're soon going to place you within a tomb. Oh, I don't believe you. Don't you? Personally, makes no difference to me whether you do or not. But for your own satisfaction, suppose you feel for yourself. What? Yes. Reach up with your right hand. Reach up. Feel the casket lining by your head. Go right ahead. There. You see? Yes. But, but I'm lying in the bottom of a boat. Only your soul is. This is some trick. The boat is satin line. <laughs> I'll admit, Carl Fisher, I am generally most concerned about my own comfort. But as far as lining one of my boats with satin, no. I fear that would be too much, even for Satan. Satan? Yes. Here, let me prove to you the boat is not cloth-lined. There. You see? You devil. <laughs> That's irony. You are a devil. Yes? I am. But not just a devil. The devil. You mean I'm really dead? One never dies, Carl. The common clay perishes, yes. But only the common clay. Let me out of here. I'm sorry. You see, you can't move until I permit you to. But I moved my hand a moment ago. Felt the lining near my head. That's because I wished you to. Nothing is done here unless I order it done. Then... Then I am dead. Only your body. <laughs> it might interest you to know. You caused quite a commotion up there a moment ago when you interrupted your funeral oration by suddenly moving in your casket. Yes, quite a commotion. Only two people saw you. One of them was a woman. You frightened her, Carl. But they've taken her away now. You mean my body actually is being preached over? Oh, yes. Indeed, yes. You were a prominent man on earth, Carl. Naturally, yours is a most elegant funeral. So many flowers, half of them could be brought into the church. People standing outside, on the sidewalk even. Is Laura there? Your wife? Oh, certainly. Where else would she be? Church, you say? Yes. Amazes you, doesn't it? You haven't been in a church for 35 years. No. You wouldn't even permit your daughter to be buried from a church, Carl. 
But she went to heaven. Anyway. Stop it. Stop it. Do you remember Reverend Brooks, Carl? Reverend Brooks? Yes. He married you. Remember? Today, he's officiating at your funeral. No. No. Would you like to hear what he's saying, Carl? Listen. If Carl Fisher has brought tragedy into our lives, let us remember that out of tragedy, good can arise. Soon that tragedy will be forgotten. But let us never forget Carl Fisher. Let us remember him always as a Christian. You hear, Carl? A Christian, he says. Stop. Stop that voice. Listen, Carl. Let us pray for him often and ask Almighty God to grant him pardon. Let us be generous towards him that finally the supreme ruler may in turn be generous towards us. No. No, stop him. Stop him. I don't want to hear anymore. Did you hear what he said, Carl? He asked your friends, your family, your wife to forget your evil, to remember only what was good about you. Yes, Carl. But that leaves them nothing to remember. Oh, let me alone. No, Carl. They've nothing to remember. Because there was nothing about you that was good. I didn't have a chance. Chance? You say you didn't have a chance? Certainly not. Mm, well, I don't want to waste my breath by pointing out the chances you did have. I was forced into everything that happened. Forced, I say. Were you? Certainly I was. Haven't you ever heard of... Free will. Free will? Free will, you say? I haven't had a will of my own in the last 30 years. Haven't you, Carl? No. You know I haven't. I knew I was doing wrong. Sure, I knew it. I'd never have made my millions by, by being any other way. Your millions. Did you enjoy them, Carl? I, I was just beginning to, when... When I took charge of you. Is that it? Yes. Your millions aren't worth much. Here. Oh, where am I? Certainly you haven't lost your imagination. Where would you be? With fire on all sides. And the smell of brimstone. And with me as your pilot on the river Styx. Styx? You remember. It's our largest river. Where are you taking me? I have a special assignment for you, Mr. Fisher. We have a certain reserve space for members like you down here. Inferno. Tell me. Am I in Hades? Does that surprise you? No. No, I can't be. I didn't want to die. I wanted to do what was right, but I couldn't. You didn't try. I was going to try. You've done nothing but evil for 30 years. You couldn't change now. I could, I tell you, I could. No, car. I'll make a bargain with you, Satan. Bargain? <laughs> no one makes bargains with Satan. Give me a chance. Let me go back. Let me live my life over. I'll change. I swear I will. You'd never change. I will, I will. Let me go back. Let me show you. Let me prove I can do what's right. All right, car. <laughs> I'll bargain with you. It would at least relieve the dull monotony. You give me a chance? Yes, for 24 hours. 24 hours? Only 24 hours? Yes. Do nothing but good 
for 24 hours, and I'll not return to claim you. But if you fail... I won't fail. I won't, I won't. It's up to you, Carl. It's entirely up to you. But remember, only 24 hours. Only 24 hours, Carl. You really shouldn't have come tonight, Laura. You should rest. I know. But I couldn't rest. Poor Carl. He needed someone so badly those last few days. And I was away. Never dreaming what was happening. You mustn't blame yourself, Laura. Oh, I can't help it. I feel I deserted my husband. Just when a man needs his wife most. There'll come a time, Dr. West, when when I'll be afraid to come out here to the mausoleum. I wanted to come tonight to tell him goodbye. Goodbye? Yes. I loved my husband, David. Despite everything he did, he was the only one I ever cared for. Here, my dear, I have the key. I say, Laura... It's not locked. But I saw you lock it after the services this afternoon. I did lock it. I'd swear I did. Open the door. Yes. Do you have a light? Yes. Pocket flash. There. Oh, David. Empty. The casket's empty. David, for heaven's sakes, what's happened here? I don't know, but Carl always said he'd come back. What? Yes. He told me once he had no fear of death, because he knew he could always make a deal with Satan. Carl told you that? Yes. I, well, I laughed at him at the time, but now I wonder. I'd better go now, Laura. Sure you're feeling all right? Yes, I... I know I won't sleep tonight. You can relax. I can send you out a nurse if you like. Oh, no. No, I'd rather be alone. Well, if you need me, please don't hesitate to call. Thank you, David. Good night, my dear. Good night, David. And thank you so much for being such a dear. I'll... I'll call you in the morning. Good night. That's strange. Yes. I'm not hearing things. That's an electric razor running. But it can't be. There's no one in the apartment but myself. Carl. 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 Yes, my dear, did you call me? Carl. Yes, Laura, what is it? Carl, are you really there? What do you mean, am I really here? 
course I'm here. Heavens, I was right in the middle of my shaving. Oh, no. Laura, what's the matter with you? Why'd you call me? No, Carl, please don't come any closer, please. The world's gotten into you all of a sudden. Darling, is it really you? Really me? Now, what are you talking about? Carl, don't you know? Don't I know what? We... We buried you this afternoon. Carl, don't look at me like that. Buried me? Yes. Oh, darling, what's happened? Tell me what's happened. I don't know. Something's wrong. Carl. My, my head. Whirling. Dizzy. I don't... Remember what happened. Oh, darling, you're alive. Warm. Breathing. Yes, but I seem to have been away. It was so hot. There was a boat on a river and a satin-lined casket and... Oh, Lord. Darling, darling, you did come back. Dr. West said you would. Dr. West? Yes, David. He said you told him once you'd come back after... After you'd gone on. Laura, I have been dead, haven't I? Yes, Carl. I remember now. I was sitting at my desk, sitting alone at night in my office, and then something happened. You were shot. The back of the neck. Everything stopped. The next thing I knew, I was riding in the bottom of a boat lined with silk. No. That wasn't the boat that was lined. It was the casket. He told me to move my hand and I'd feel it. Who, Carl? Who told you? It was... the devil. Carl. Yeah. I died. Went to Hades. But I bargained with Satan. I bargained with him. He took me up. Gave me 24 hours. 24 hours. Darling. Darling, I don't understand... Twenty-four hours to prove I could do good here on Earth. Oh, is it true? Can it be real? Yes, it is true. It's real. I can't believe it. Things like this just don't happen. This happened. But Carl, how? I made a bargain, I tell you. A bargain with Satan. And I have a rendezvous to keep with him. Twenty-four hours. I'm so confused, Carl. If only... Who could that be? I'll go see. Oh, no. It's anyone we know. They they won't understand. You go back into the bedroom, dear. I'll see who it is. But the world's got to know sometime. Oh, people will know soon enough. Please, dear. I'm too upset for a scene to, to try to explain to anyone tonight. All right, my dear, if you wish. Thank you, darling. <laughs> had to come back, Laura. I couldn't stay away. David, please. Forgive me, dearest. But I've waited so long. David, please go. No. Not until I've talked to you. Some other time. I can't wait any longer, Laura. It's not fair for you to ask me to. Not fair? You know I love you, Laura. You've known it for months, years. David. You have known, haven't you? Yes, but... I've waited so long to have the right to tell you about my love. Now, oh, I... 
I know it's not right to come to you on the night of your husband's funeral and say these things, but I must know, Laura. I must know. I have nothing to say to you, David, nothing. I know you were always madly in love with that criminal of a husband of yours, but that's over now. You'll have to forget him. Oh, remember, darling, you're a young woman yet. Your life is still ahead of you. You can't go on carrying a torch for someone who cared more about making a million dollars than making you happy. Please, David, don't say that. I have a right to say it. Now, I've kept in check all of these years, waiting and hoping. And now Carl is dead. You hear me? Dead. Dead. You belong to me now. No, David. Not now or ever. Yes. Yes, I say, you're mine. If anyone has a right to you, I have. After everything I've done to get you. Will you go now, David? Oh, Laura, Laura, I need you. Oh, Laura, please, sir, you'll marry me. No, David. I'll never marry you. But I know you care for me. I could make you learn to love me. No, never. I've had nothing for you, David, but friendship. I'll never have more. I know that's not true. Don't say that. It's not. You do care for me. I could tell by the way you kissed me. That's when I first began building my hopes. Kissed you? When did I kiss you? You haven't forgotten. The party in my penthouse. None more than three months ago. Your birthday party? Yes. All the girls kissed you that night. If you remember, we even made a sort of game out of it. Lined up like a bunch of high school girls to compliment our host. Yes, but you meant more than just a compliment that night. You imagined it. Oh, no. I kissed you just like the others. In full sight of my husband. And I... I might add, to his complete amusement. Carl wasn't in the room. You waited until he'd left before you got into line. Oh, nonsense, David. No. I knew that night you cared for me. That's when I began planning to make you mine. David, will you please go? Not until you've told me you'll marry me. I've told you I won't. There's someone else. Only my husband. Someone else. Someone who's alive. Please go, David. What's that? I want you to go. What was that? In that other room? Nothing. What are Nothing you... at all. What are you doing? I don't want you to ever come back here, David. What are you doing? I'm locking this door. I'm in no mood to have you go ransacking my place. There's someone in that room. David. So, so, you couldn't wait until your husband was safely buried. Couldn't wait. David. Well, he won't have you. You hear me? He won't have you. David. Please go now. Very well. But I'm telling you this, Laura. He won't have you. Whoever he is, he'll never have you. I promise you that. Carl, you heard? Yes. Well? Go ahead. Go ahead, Carl. She's been having an affair behind her back, hasn't she? She deserves to be killed, doesn't she? Well, go ahead. Kill her. I don't have to tell you, Carl. I've never cared for him. Go ahead, Carl. Kill her. She's lying, don't you think? No one but you, darling. Ever. I can still tempt you, Carl. That's my job. That's how I keep my fires burning. I know you believe me, Carl. No. Don't believe her. 
She's never lied to you before, but there's always a first time. Darling, please don't stand there looking at me. Say something. She wants you to say something. Well, go ahead. Say something. Darling. It's all right, dearest. I believe you. say when I, I walk out into the world again. Carl, don't you think it would be best for us to go away quietly? Someplace where we'd never be recognized? No, Laura. I have a bargain to fulfill. Only until three this afternoon. You'll spend that time with me then? I'm sorry, I can't. There's more to be done than probably either of us imagined. Where are you going? To the office first. I'll go with you. No, dear. I'll come back to you before I leave you again. To keep my rendezvous with Satan. Good morning, Miss Walling. Good morning, Mr. Fisher. You're early this morning, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher. Explaining. Uh, nothing doing. I'll let myself in the office. West. Come in, Carl. I've been waiting for you. Sitting in my chair at my desk. Yes. This is your gun, I believe. What's the meaning of this? I'm prepared to make a bargain with you. Bargain? Yes. What sort of a bargain? You died without leaving a will. I have one here dated three months before your death. Sign it, the business becomes mine. And I'll permit you to take away half of your seven million dollars and Laura. You permit me? Yes. You couldn't operate your business now? People wouldn't want to do business with a dead man? Do I look dead to you? Don't be facetious. I'm serious. I know all about what happened to you. When I came back to see Laura last night, I heard you talking before I pushed the buzzer. I don't understand it all, but I'm prepared to give Laura up for your business and half your cash. You killed me. What? You killed me. Fisher, keep back. I see it clearly now. I see now that Laura wasn't lying to me last night. She's never cared for you. I warn you, keep back, Fisher. I remember what you said to her. You said, if anyone has a right to you, Laura, I have. After everything I've done to get you. This gun is loaded, Carl. Yes, I see it all clearly now. Stay back. Stay away from me. The night she kissed you at the party. Remember what you said about that last night? That was the night you began planning to make her yours. If you come any nearer, I'll shoot. I'm not going to harm you, Dr. West. You'd like to get your hands on this gun. You'd like to kill me, wouldn't you? Kill you? No, I can't kill you. I've made a bargain not to. Then keep back. I could kill you, though. I've been proclaimed legally dead, you know. 
You can't hang a dead man. Keep back. One step farther and I'll shoot. I told you I don't intend to harm you. Stop where you are. I just want you to take a good look at me, doctor. Stop. Not one step farther. Not one step farther. Oh, darling, are you hurt? It's nothing. He shot you, Carl. Laura, that that gun in your hand. I I followed you here. I don't know why I brought the gun. Laura, you killed him. Darling. Give it to me. No. Give it to me. Give it to me. Carl, you must get to a doctor. No. Look at the clock. No time for a doctor. You hurt badly. Oh, it doesn't matter. Give me that gun. Carl. Give it to me. There. Now. Now they... They'll think... We shot each other. Carl. 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 Oh, my darling. You have won your bargain, Carl Fisher. There's no place here for you now. Rendezvous with Satan. Tonight's original tale of dark fantasy by Scott Bishop, originating in the studios of WKY. Ben Morris was Carl Fisher. Blois Wright played Dr. David West. Eleanor Naylor Corrin was Laura Fisher. Fred Wayne took the part of Satan. Muir Height was heard as Reverend Brooks. And Georgiana Cook Height played the secretary. Stay tuned for laughs provided by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Edgar Bergen and his little wooden pal, Charlie McCarthy, as they get set to welcome a special guest, Frankie Lane. It's Sunday night, and time again for Edgar Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Mortimer Snurd and Ray Noble in his orchestra. Tonight, our special guest is the style-setting recording star, the unique Frankie Lane. Bergen with Charlie McCarthy. Attention, folks, it's time for Charlie McCarthy. Here I come, ready or not. Last one to tune in is the you-know-what. <laughs> Look here, I-, I fell, boy. Would you mind dropping your voice down to just a shout? Oh, well, what's wrong, Ray? You look like a medical student's homework. <laughs> well, uh, frankly, Charles, I'm just not myself today. Well, let me be the first to congratulate you. <laughs> no, it's my nerves, old boy. They're jumpy. Mm. Uh, all week long, I've been making recordings with the officer. Oh, well, why should that make you jumpy? We have to listen to them. <laughs> well, I, I, I felt all right up to that last recording, you know. <laughs> what was your last recording? Well, it, it was a new arrangement, Charlie, of... Uh, time on my hands on the front side. Uh-huh. And don't spank the baby on the back side. Now, that was a 
it should be a howling success. <laughs> but, but you know, I think the trouble is being shut up in those horribly small recording studios. Oh, it's bad. Oh, yes. I think I must have claustrophobia. I've never heard of that. Much of it going around lately? <laughs> oh, it's a fear of closed places. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Oh, there are many such phobias. You know, some people have a fear of high places. What do they call that? Hydrophobia? <laughs> Charlie, haven't you ever known anyone who was high-strung? Well, yes, I have, Ray, I have. As a matter of fact, I had an uncle once who was always, uh, always in need of a sedative. Really? With an olive in it. <laughs> Good old Uncle Egbert. Fried Egbert, we used to call him. Now, look here, Charles. This isn't helping me quiet my nerves, you know. Well, now, wait a minute now. You just gave me an idea. Well, what? I'm going to borrow your nervous condition and get out of going to school tomorrow. Well, you better be careful, Charles. Well, here comes Edgar now. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello, Charlie. Now, don't sneak up on me like that, Birkin. What's the matter? What's the matter with you anyway, boy? I'm a mess. I'm just a bundle of nerves. Twitching nerves. Is that so? Oh, they just twitch all the time. Yeah. Just twitching. Yeah. There I go. See? Yeah. Well, that's nothing so much to be alarmed about. Charlie, I can help you. I know all about nerves. Oh, you do? Yes. I was afraid of that. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I studied to be a doctor in college. Sometimes I'm sorry I gave up medicine. Yeah, but think of all the lives you saved by doing it. <laughs> See, the main function of these nerves is to carry messages to the brain. Oh, it is? Yes. Now, what happens when you pick up something hot, Charlie? Huh? I say, what happens when you pick up something hot? Well, usually I call the fence and see what he'll give me for it. <laughs> You immediately withdraw your hand. Oh, that, yeah. yeah. That's because the messages to the brain travel at over a hundred feet a second in a man's body. Yeah? Yeah. In a woman, it has to go a little slower on account of the curves. <laughs> you see, the nerves in the brain work together. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? For example, I say to myself, I want to move my arm. And lo and behold, my arm, it moves. Oh, it did, didn't it? <laughs> oh, you are clever. Yes. Do you tie your own shoelaces, too? <laughs> now, what do you suppose is the matter with you, Charlie? Well, base yourself, Bergen, but I got a bad case of undulating, overlapping, homogenized claustrophobia. <laughs> claustrophobia? Yeah, that's what I got. When did it start? In school. Oh, I see. Yes, for years, the eighth grade has been closing in on me. <laughs> Looks like I'm a lifer. Yeah, I see, yeah. <laughs> well, if school gives you claustrophobia that badly... And it do, it do. Something, of course, will have to be done about it. Then you're going to spring me? Well, I... I uh... Oh, Bergen, may I kiss the hem of your stylish stout jacket? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What do you suggest might help you? I think I need a change, Bergen. Yes. A complete new outlook. Say, in the form of a... Oh, a good movie. A good movie? Yeah. The darkness, the quiet, the peace would calm my nerves. Yes. What picture did you have in mind? Well, I tell you, it's called The Waltzing Corpse Meets Frankenstein's Other Wife. theaters are closed in crowded places. If you have claustrophobia, I'm afraid you never can go to the movies again. Uh-oh. You know something, Bergen? What? It's a pity you gave up medicine. You would have made a great surgeon. What makes you think so, Charlie? In one simple operation, you amputated my claustrophobia, cut out my hooky playing, and cooked my goose.
Ray Noble, as modern as tomorrow, brings us his own instrumentation of today's domino. Mortimer, I was wondering if you'd get here tonight. Oh, I might. It's early yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hum, 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 hum. Well, you look sleepy. Yeah, I am. I am sleepy. How come? Hmm? How come you're sleepy? Well, I can't sleep at night. Oh, yeah. I'm beginning to think that sleep don't agree with me. <laughs> well, Mortimer... Oh, now, please, not you, too. Charlie with claustrophobia, and now you with insomnia? Insomnia, nothing. My trouble is I can't sleep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, do you have any idea what's keeping you awake, Mortimer? No, I think it's my nightmares. Your nightmares? Yeah, I see. How can you have nightmares when you can't sleep? Well, <laughs> it ain't easy. No, I don't know. Have you tried? Have you tried sleeping powder? Yeah, I sprinkled it all over the bed, but it didn't do no good. When when do you find it the hardest to go to sleep? When I'm awake. When you're awake. Come on, I'm trying to help you. Now listen. When people can't sleep, they count sheep. No. Yeah. When sheep can't sleep, do they count people? No. Do you try counting sleep? Uh, sheep. <laughs> now, please don't confuse me. Huh? I'm having enough trouble right as it is. <laughs> what was your question, please? I say, do you try counting sheep? 
I tried it once. Uh, uh, didn't do no good, though, I see. See, there was black sheep. Black sheep. Yeah. I couldn't see them in the dark. <laughs> could be causing your insomnia. Do you sleep with your window open? No, with my mouth open. With your mouth open. <laughs> well, you better do something about it. I'll tell you, the circles under your eyes are so big that it looks like your nose is riding a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, the circles. Yeah, it's the uh, nose. Yeah, and you know, riding a bicycle, yeah. Well, you see, Marty, but that was a joke. Oh, a joke. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that's the way it goes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to your insomnia. Now, something must be keeping you awake. Yeah, maybe it's them awful things I've been seeing in the dark. Oh, now we're getting to it. You're afraid of the dark. Well, yeah, sometimes. You see, I get so scared, I, I pull the pillow over my head. Well, I should think you'd suffocate. No, no. I do get way behind in my breathing, though. Yeah. <laughs> Too. Yeah, I do that. I pull the covers over, yeah, but it puts my feet in an awful ticklish position. <laughs> yes, well, now, at least with the blanket over your head, you, you can't see those awful things. Boy, it's like uh, you still see them. Yeah. How come? Well, you see, I, <laughs> I cut a peephole in the blanket. Oh, I. <laughs> this entire thing is ridiculous. The only stupid people are afraid of the dark. Well, there's your answer. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't see these things if you could fall asleep. Oh, sure. Now, there must be some reason why you can't sleep at night. Now, why can't you sleep at night? Well, let's see. Can't think of it offhand. <laughs> Not unless it's those naps I've been taking all day. Ah, uh, there you are. <laughs> what is it that makes you such a dunce? I don't know. I really don't know. But whatever it is, it sure works, don't it? Yes. <laughs> a great while, an entertainment personality comes along who truly deserves the much-abused term, song stylist. Such a one is our guest of the evening, Frank Lane. Tonight he gives his modern sound to wonderful, wasn't it? Mr. Lane. Wonderful words in it, in it, holding you I love you so, 
Next time I go to the jukebox, that record of yours will get my dime. Well, Charlie, if I know you, it'll be a slug. Uh, oh, a comical one here. <laughs> we'll have to keep this dialogue short. In fact, we'll eliminate it. That's all. Well, Charlie, really now, I don't want to get laughs. Oh, good. I just want to sing a song. Like my new one. Hey, what's that? Well, it's called I Had to Have All My Clothes Altered Since I've Got You Under My Skin. <laughs> Like him. <laughs> so he didn't want to get laughed. Well, you know something he didn't really. <laughs> Hello, Frankie. Hello, Edgar. Say, it's nice having you in Hollywood, Frankie. Thank you. You know, I'd like to give you a little dinner party. Oh? There's so many people out here that would like to meet you. Well, thank you, Edgar. Nothing. Nothing's really wonderful. Is it going to be anything like that uh, last dinner party you gave? Yeah, I'm afraid so, but be a good sport and come anyway. No, really. <laughs> Okay, I will. See you later, boys. Fine, fine. Now, Charlie, when in the world did you make that remark for? Huh? I'm going all out on this dinner party. You are? Yes. It's deductible? No, no, no. <laughs> no, the Beverly Hills Catering Service will handle the entire affair. They charge $25 a plate. Bergie, if I can get that Beverly Hills Catering Service to cut the price, will you give me half? <laughs> well, yes, if you can, sure. You think you can do it? <laughs> Either Beverly cuts her price or she heads for the hills. All right. Uh, bug, uh, let's have a little service here, huh? huh, 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 huh? Oh, delightful. Yeah. A toothpick, the talk. <laughs> Mister, when you say that, smile. Why? So I can get a good shot at your front teeth. <laughs> well, now that we've nauseated each other, you wish to give a dinner party? True. Uh, what type of menu did you have in mind? Uh, something inexpensive, like uh, seagull a la king, <laughs> breast of spam, <laughs> Possibly jellied gopher tails. <laughs> Served in a trap, of course. And this is not going to be one of my good afternoons. <laughs> Perhaps it'll help me if you'll tell me for whom this dinner party is. Frankie Lane. Well, do you think Mr. Lane would like partridge? Is he a hunter? Uh, I don't know. But about a year ago, he sure killed a wild goose, didn't he? <laughs> You're not laughing. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> now, now, about our partridges, you yes. see, they are raised on our private farm where they are hand-fed only the finest imported grain. How nice. And then you shoot them. How vulgar. <laughs> now, we place them in a vat of warm wine and allow them to hiccup themselves to death. <laughs> what a lovely way to go. <laughs> The entire affair will be exquisite, you know. Oh. Our waitresses are the most beautiful girls in Hollywood. Uh -huh. Now, how should we start the dinner? Uh, late. 
I'll be in the kitchen with the waitresses. And now, my obnoxious little friend, yes. we can save some time if you'll tell me what you wish to spend for each guest. Well, what could I give her about 80 cents apiece? Uh... Young man? Yes. For 80 cents apiece? One of our men will pass among you with a stale salami and let each guest whip one of his. Look, I've got to get this party catered cheap, buddy. Oh, cheap. Yeah. Well, from what I judge your friends to be, may I suggest the Lower Glendale Dog Catering Service? You know, that's not a bad idea. With plenty of ketchup on it, they'll never know. <laughs> I say, Charles, you don't mean to tell me you've actually hired a dog catering service to cater the party for Frankie Lane? That I have, eh? Thirty cents a man and all the flea powder they can use. <laughs> How do you do, Mr. McCarthy? I'm Kirkwood of the Lower Glendale Dog Catering Service. How do you do? This is Ray Noble. My, he's a woolly one, isn't he? <laughs> Who taught him to stand up and beg? <laughs> really, I must have this moustache clipped. See, uh, Kirk, is your dog food, is it fit for human consumption? Oh, yes. Why, I often eat it myself. Oh, good, good. Then it doesn't affect you? Not at all. Of course, every once in a while I find myself chasing a cat up a tree. <laughs> Uh, now, who's going to be the host of this party, a Pekingese or a Pomeranian? Well, the fellow who's walking in over there now, Bergen. Oh, a Mexican hairless. <laughs> uh, hello, gentlemen. Uh, Bergen, this is Mr. Kirkwood. He's going to cater your party. Oh, I see. Well, tell me, Mr. Kirkwood, do you have many customers in the better part of Hollywood? Oh, or... yes, indeed. My food's eaten by some of the biggest movie stars. For instance, there's Lassie and... Uh, who, who did you say? Uh, Massey, you know, Raymond Massey. Oh, yes. <laughs> you see, this is a very important party, and I want things done right. Confidentially, I, I want to put on the dog. <laughs> You're not the right man, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> the dinner, of course, will be formal. They'll wear tails. <laughs> Most of them do. <laughs> now we'll need place cards. They'll have to know where they're going to sit. Well, why don't you just let them lie around the floor? <laughs> now, please, if you don't mind, let's save the clowning. Now, do you get your meat from Kansas City? No, Santa Anita. Santa <laughs> Anita. Yeah, it's top quality. Philly uh, Philly. <laughs> Give each one a memento. Now, what would they do with a memento? They can stuff it in an olive. That's memento. Oh, well, um, I'd more practical gift, like, uh, uh, say, a rubber bowl. A rubber bowl, yeah. Or one of those new feeding bowls that keeps their ears out of the milk. Ears out of the milk. Just a moment. This couldn't be a dog service, could it? Oh, couldn't it? Uh, let's not fight it, Bergen. It's cheaper than both of them. So to save money, you were ready to feed our guest Frankie Lane dog food, horse meat. Yeah. Well, I, I... Were you, Charlie? Well, I, 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 I... Bergie, what are you going to do? I'm taking off my belt. Charlie, 
Bend over. No, 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 I, 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 Mildred! Musically, as Frankie Lane returns to sing of his lady unfair, the bewitching Jezebel. If ever the devil was born without a pair of horns, it was you, Jezebel, it was you. If ever an angel fell, Jezebel, it was you. Jezebel, it was you. 
If ever a pair of eyes promised paradise, deceiving me, deceiving me, leaving me blue, a bell, it was you. If ever the devil's plan was made to torment man, it was you. Come back and see us real soon. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Escape, followed by Fibra McGee and Molly. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.